This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Episode Q25 coming to you live from the Justin Hawking studio here in Southern California. As always, Dennis Bernstein, John Hoven to break everything down, share some information with you. And then coming up in the second period, we have Alex Turcott, one of the King's top prospects who's going to be joining us. But first, DB, what's going on? Justin Hawking. That's what's going on. Please explain. <laughs> yes. Uh, Justin Hawking was a six foot four defenseman. The Kings took him in the second round a uh, long, long time ago. And uh, he eventually played one game in the National Hockey League back in the 93 94 season, uh, which was not a good year for Los Angeles. Of course, they were coming off going to the Stanley Cup final the year before against Montreal and then did not qualify for the playoffs in 93 um, 94. After that one game, DB, he played basically, it, it was a career minor leaguer. He played the rest of his career in the AHL and the IHL. And I know that uh, fans sometimes like to go back and look at what-if scenarios in the draft. And so I quickly scanned the, the rest of the second and third round that year. Michael Pekka was still available. Darren McCarty was still available. And Kurt Maltby, just a couple of names. There are a lot of other names. Um, I always like to tell people, though, DB, it's a fool's game to try and do that because they're all prospects, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> but fans love to, you know, nitpick and, and talk about, yeah, well, what if? What if the Kings would have selected Michael Pekka instead of Justin Hawking? What if they would have selected Darren McCarty instead? I mean, yeah, that's a fun game to play. I think that's something that, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to do as a sports fan. Um, however, if you're going to critique uh, management 
or if you're going to critique player development or, you know, those sorts of things. It's a little bit of a fool's game uh, when you're talking about 17, 18, 19-year-old kids and you're trying to project where they're going to be. And they really, back then, DB, in the early 90s, uh, you know, they didn't have nearly as many tools available as they have today um, to help them select some of these uh, these players. Sure. All right, so Turcotte's coming up. But, DB, before we get into some of that, of course, we have yeah. some news and notes. And I do want to mention something, though. With this being episode Q25, we are now on the other side of something. This is pretty interesting. I, it just it popped into my head yesterday. This is technically episode 52 of Kings of the Podcast. So we have now um, entered to the other side where we have actually done more episodes during quarantine than we did during the regular season. <laughs> Go figure that one out. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a rough 2020, Jay. As you said, I can't wait for uh, January 1st, 2021, get this year over with. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and again, people, as always, grab a pencil and write this down. Quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They jumped on board here at Kings of the Podcast because they want to get you, our listeners, cleaned up before next season. So don't wait. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code KOTP2020 at manscaped.com. That's super easy, guys. It's KOTP2020. And you just simply go to manscaped.com. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. So, DB, on the program, really, during the quarantine time period, we've spent a lot of time uh, talking about building from within and what the Kings are trying to accomplish right now and why they weren't big players in the free agency market and all that sort of stuff. Having one of the top-ranked prospect pools that are out there uh, in in the National Hockey League. And I wanted to share a couple of baseball-related things. Just it's topical coming off the World Series with the Dodgers winning, of course. But, you know, when you look at other sports... Um, that's something that management looks at as, as sort of comparables and parallels and trying to find similarities. Here's a stat for you. The Dodgers played 18 postseason games, DB, and every one of them was started by a pitcher who spent his entire professional career in the L.A. organization. What do you think of that? I think that's the way to go. I think that if you look at also Tampa, how many of those players were homegrown? How many did they find and develop? I mean, some guys were traded and some guys were released, but I think that's... Uh, that's the route you have to go, right? Free agency trades, it adds a piece or two, but if your drafting and development isn't good, you're not going to be a contender in, in any sport uh, these days. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree, and I think it also speaks to the fact that people talk about the Dodgers. It was the best roster that money could buy, and no, that's really how the Yankees were built for so many years, but you're talking about a team that was largely comprised of the nucleus of that team, not just the pitching staff, but also the positional players. They were drafted. They were developed. They were groomed. You know, They had the tattoo of the Dodgers, uh, as Dean Lombardi used to talk about, so the Kings are trying to go about doing that the same way this time around. Um, here's another one that I think relates back to hockey as well, uh, talking about scheduling there's been some information that's come out recently that says that spring training might be staggered in 2021 um, particularly if there's not a covid uh, vaccine which there may or may not be by then but uh, what they're thinking about doing or talking about is that MLB and the and the uh, minor league players uh, maybe the triple a players will report initially and then some of the lower level players you know double uh, a single a and so on that they would only report once those players have left which could potentially have an impact on the start dates of those seasons and i think that's interesting because we might see that as well it ties back to how many people can congregate at a training facility and how you would stagger uh training camp uh, here in the national right. hockey league and how it might trickle into the ahl and, and you know even back to the junior leagues and whatnot so we'll talk a little bit more about that in the third period i 
do have some notes on OHL and AHL scheduling, though. Uh, I, I don't know if grandstanding is the right word for it, but there was certainly some interesting tweets over the last couple of days that really had the hockey Twitter world up in arms with the OHL and whether they're going to allow body checking next year and, you know, the, the government or, or, or certain uh, regulatory bodies coming out and saying there wasn't going to be checking in the OHL. And things were crazy on uh, social media there for about 48 hours. They seem to have subsided a little bit, DB. What, what do you think? Well, it was kind of shocking that Darren Drager was going out, the, uh, <laughs> the woman from the uh, Ontario Health Board. Now, look, and I checked in with, you know, uh, our, my partner, Dave Pagnot, fourth period. I mean, he's in Ontario. He said that nothing's been agreed upon. Even Doug Ford, who's the premier, came out, uh, you know, something that basically said they're engaging OHL hockey, trying to figure out a plan, but nothing's been agreed upon. And I think that's the... I, I think that's the same take and the actual take with respect to what's not or hasn't been decided. John, I, I don't know how you could play a league, a hockey league without, you know, body contact. And I, I the parallel I'll draw is the NFL. When you do have positive tests um, in the NFL and it's basically daily or, you know, I think Arizona today, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, announced two positive tests. But there's no evidence of any transmission from any of these players when they're playing in the game to other players. So I think that's a, a situation. So to take body contact out of the, you know, out of the OHL, I mean, how does that help develop a player like uh, Quentin Byfield or any NHL potential you know, player at that point? So I, I think that uh, sanity is going to rain. You can't play the sport without body contact. Because, John, how do you penalize body contact? Two minutes, throw person out of the game? I mean, no, it just, 14 it days just of seems quarantine. very, very unlikely that that would be the resolution. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. And, you know, the ramifications are so widespread um, relative to such a decision if it was to go that way. And I agree with you. I don't think that that it's going to end up playing out that way. And some sanity, some logic is going to have to be applied here because uh, there's just, you know, too many what ifs and too many too many things that don't make sense. Some logic has to be applied to it. But think about this, DB. The Memorial Cup is set to be played this year and hosted by an OHL team, which means it would be played under what? OHL rules? Like that just doesn't even make any sense. And then on top of that, you mentioned Quentin Byfield. There's ramification not only for the 2021 draft, those players that, you know, they need to be scouted going into the 2021 draft. And that would not be uh, fair for, you know, for teams that are trying to scout those players in those leagues and comparing them to what's happening and other things. But specific to Byfield and Kaliev, what would the Kings do? I've, I've been asked that a lot on Twitter and other social media sure. channels. What, what, what would this type of a, of a ruling do and for the Kings' plans with Byfield and with Kaliev? Well, here's the thing. The two most logical options, if even regardless of what happens with the OHL, two of the uh, things that are kind of on the table right now, I, I would like to think, um, because people I've talked with have, have mentioned them, so it's at least being thought of, if not being openly discussed, is for next season, um, do you expand the NHL rosters to allow for some additional players? We've seen some of the other leagues do that. That's something that could uh, right. potentially happen. If that's the case, that could potentially open up Byfield or Kaliev sticking with the LA Kings because as it stands right now, they have 14 forwards. There's really no room to carry a Byfield or Kaliev in order to do that. And again, people, I highly encourage you to read the article on Mayor's Manor. Uh, just, just Google search 
you know, uh, free agency plans, Mayor's Manor, and the roster is listed there, and it tells you who the 14 forwards are. And of those 14 forwards, pretty much the only one that you can send down uh, to the Ontario Hockey League, or to, excuse me, to the Ontario Reign uh, without having to pass through waivers would be Anderson Dolan. So, you know, Anderson Dolan has earned the right at this point to play in the NHL. They have him penciled in for an NHL roster spot. So if you're willing to send Anderson Dolan down to the Reign uh, for another year of development, uh, to in order to keep Byfield or Kalia, fine, that could certainly be your perspective. There's another option, uh, which would also be that you could put a player like Michael Amadio or Trevor Moore or insert name here that you would be willing to put on waivers in order to make room to keep a Byfield or a Kalia. Now, so back to my original point, though, if you expand the rosters of the NHL, that would be one option. The second option would be if the AHL um, put in some roster exemptions so that players like Kaliev, who is not, according to the current rules, eligible for the, the AHL because of his age, could you make exceptions this year during the COVID era of, uh, you know, the 2021 season to allow that to happen? And in talking with some um, NHL executives just a couple of days ago, DB, they brought up a great point, which is, can you imagine how pissed off the other teams would be because uh, that have players in the dub, in the WHL, that is, or in the Quebec League, the other two Canadian junior leagues, the Kings don't really have players in the dub. They do have Jordan Spence, which we'll talk about later today, in the queue. But those players, uh, if, you ha if you're a team and you have prospects in those other leagues, that sort of a ruling would be great for your OHL players. But then what about your other guys that are in the other leagues? It just creates almost creates more questions than answers, DB. Yeah, I think the best would be expanded rosters. You mentioned MLB did it. Um, this gives an opportunity for players and you can have a taxi squad where you have 28 or 29 players and it gives the opportunity for a Cali or a Byfield to play with NHL players all season. The other option would be, and I don't even know if you could do it because the, the, the season's already started, would be to send them over to Europe. That might be an option, but I think the best option would be in the short term, just have them stay in the States under LA eyes, um, have them train with the players. And then, you know, whenever OHL starts, you can send them out that way. Yeah, that would be great. But again, go back to the scenario I was just giving you. Take a guy like Jordan Spence, who's playing in the in the Quebec League. If the not that the Kings are going to do this, but there could be teams out there that would make these type of decisions if they expanded the rosters. And then what if they decided that they now they wanted to take Jordan Spence, uh, who was playing in the queue, and have him play, uh, you know, or have him on the NHL roster, you know, because there was an open spot there. The Quebec League was not anticipating that. They went into the season as uh, so they started the season. They they you know, expected it to be the regular rules and they thought that the teams knew who was going to be on their roster and then all of a sudden sort of have the rug pulled out from under them really because not because of their own undoing, but because of a decision by the Ontario Hockey League that then sort of forced the hand of the NHL. Yeah, hey, it's a valid point. Um, I don't know, would LA even, wouldn't LA just want to say, hey, Spence, stay there, keep playing and, you know, we'll worry about it next season. I, I think that you're just worried about the players who aren't on the ice. And again, you're talking about you know, two players who are look to be a valuable part of the future. I think you, you're more concerned with that than upending something in the WHL or the, you know, the Q. I think that with the specter, you got to be a little greedy here and say, look, we have to do what's best for the organization. Yes, I, I was purely speaking of other organizations. In terms of Jordan Spence, 
um, he would be staying in the Quebec League. This would really, in Los Angeles specifically, would only impact Byfield and Kaliev. It just so happens that two of their top prospects that would be impacted happen to play in the Ontario League. I'm sure there, I haven't gone through the, the prospect pools of all other 30 teams, but I'm sure that there, there has to be a team out there that has two or three of their top prospects in the WHL instead of in the OHL. And so they would see this as, you know, uh, something that handicapped them, but that helped the LA Kings. So who knows? Hey, speaking of uh, other leagues and how they're going to handle things, the American Hockey League is looking at an early February start date. We mentioned that on the last podcast with Diafalo. Since that time, uh, DB, I put an article out to talk about the fact that the Ontario Reign uh, may opt uh, or force, depending how you want to look at it, to be play. They may um, find themselves in a situation where they're playing in a different building, not playing at Toyota Arena in Ontario. And it has to do with the fact if fans are allowed or not allowed. And people keep asking, well, you know, how come they can't play with fans when other um, other leagues are, are, are seeing this, uh, you know, other sports? Well, there's two, two factors at play here, DB. Number one, the sports that we're talking about would be baseball and football. They play in open-air stadiums for the most part. Um, and you're talking about arenas, which are closed, which are different, uh, number one. Number two, different states have different rules to allow certain percentages of capacity. And Texas and Florida, for example, have been two of the more you know liberal in terms of allowing people in there. And California at this point is being very conservative, conservative and not allowing fans in the building. Again, back to baseball. The Dodgers did not have fans in their stadium uh, because those are the rules in California at the present time. Some of the other states and other cities, they, they do have uh, fans inside their their stadiums right now. So if fans are not allowed into Toyota Arena DB, it does make sense for the Ontario Reign to play their games potentially uh, at Staples Center, uh, which would potentially not be as busy as it once was because, you know, the lack of concerts and whatnot. Um, the Kings would, would be playing there, an empty arena. Uh, or they could even play their games at TSPC in El Segundo, the training facility, and then the article also on mayorsmanor.com talks about the uh, viability of putting the games potentially on TV, which could be a benefit to sponsors and, and you know, also fans who aren't allowed in the buildings right now as well. I wanted to point out sort of two things. One is the reaction on social media, Dennis, was really an interesting one. Um, and uh, basically fans of the Ontario Reign that were season ticket holders seemed to react to this in a very pissed off way. And fans that weren't Reign season ticket holders loved the idea because they were more focused. I'm talking about reaction to the article. They were more focused on, oh, that would be great to see more rain games. That would be great to see the prospects. That would be great to see Turcotte and, and Madden and Akil Thomas and all these you know kids uh, on defense as well. That would be great to see more um, Ontario rain games if they were available either on TV or streaming. And yet the Ontario rain season ticket holders were really upset. And the reason that it struck me as odd is that because the Kings weren't part of the return to play, Dennis, we didn't have any real reaction in Los Angeles to Kings season ticket holders and how they would feel about the Kings potentially playing uh, games inside of an empty arena. I've just found that interesting. Yeah, well, I don't know how they're going to get clear. Like, it's up to L.A. County. Like, whether they play in El Segundo or Staples Center, still L.A. County. And I don't... Look, I just don't see it happening. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think there's going to be – I think if they do play games, it will be in, in empty arenas. And I don't see any clearance on that. Now, John, with respect to you know, the municipalities, here's what I don't understand, okay? And we might get a little political here, but that's fine. Like, I don't understand how it's possible for an L.A. Dodger fan to get – to go to LAX, get on a plane, go to Texas, wear a mask, and see your Dodgers play in the World Series, but you can't do that in Los Angeles. I don't understand it. 
Like it makes no sense. And that has to change. But, you know, you get what you vote for here in California. I think that's part of the reason that, you know, I'm not really optimistic that we won't be that the that you know, at least with respect to hockey, we won't have fans in the building for a long time. Something has to systemically change for that to happen. I just don't understand that. I'll, I'll give you another example. I'm a Rams fan. I could have flown yesterday to Miami and watched the Rams play that debacle at, at Hard Rock Stadium, an open-air stadium. But I can't go to SoFi Stadium, which is open-air, and watch the team play there with the same protocols. Maybe protocols have to change for indoor games or whatever. It's just that it's... I, I don't see the scenario where you take the rain out of Ontario and play them at Staples Center or you play them at, at TSC. I, I just don't see it. I don't think it makes sense. I think it's an all or nothing situation right now. Well, it makes sense from the standpoint of if you can't have fans in the building in Ontario, um, uh, the, the, the building, the Toyota Arena, the building, they've laid off all but a small handful. Like, I mean, literally, as in from what I understand, less than five people are still sort of yeah. uh, employed. The rest have been laid off or furloughed right. or, or, or whatever. And I don't mean to make light of it. I'm, I'm very you know, sad for those employees. I'm just saying there's no, nobody no, there. Of course. There's nobody there to you know, man security and put the ice together and keep the building cold and you know, all the stuff that has to go in, all the operations of an arena, those people aren't employed. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna ramp up activities in one building, let's say Staples Center, then it does make more sense for the team to move there plus there there could be other uh you know situations related to rent just a little quick note by the way uh rain fans in doing some digging here's what i found out it looks like the rain if they do not play in ontario next year um because of you know covid and all the stuff we're talking about here they'll be losing uh the rain slash the king slash aeg that entity they'll be losing about three and a half to four million dollars uh, in gate revenue. So that doesn't even talk about ads and sponsorships and all that sort of stuff. Just having on a nightly basis what they make in terms of a, a profit uh, from having people inside the building and their average attendance and whatnot. Uh, back of the napkin math, they would be losing about three and a half to $4 million in gate revenue. So they do not take these things uh, lightly. And again, that you know, tack onto that ads and sponsorships and every, everything else. Um, here's an interesting thing. Two more points on this, DB, and then we'll get to Turcotte. One, and uh, I found this to be pretty fascinating, over in Germany, you know, the kids are playing over there, a couple of the Kings prospects, and we'll talk about that in the third period, but what those teams are doing is rather interesting. Uh, the streams that are available of those games, you can pay for them. However, if you're a season ticket holder of that team, you get a free coupon code, and you can log in and you can watch the streams for free. I thought that's pretty interesting. They are giving up revenue, right? Um, by doing that, but it's a nice added benefit for the season ticket holders of those teams. And so maybe the AHL or maybe the NHL could look into doing something like that. It gets a little bit tricky for the NHL because the games are televised, but not all of the AHL right. games are televised. So if you want to see a stream of a game, you know, maybe you wouldn't want to pay for it. I mean, I would argue, hey, you're saving 50 bucks by not buying your season ticket for that game. So, you know, you shouldn't really have a problem maybe of paying the $10 for the stream or, or, or whatever the cost is. But it could be a nice season ticket benefit, uh, season ticket holder benefit to, uh, to do. And then the other thing also, DB, is you mentioned Europe. Unfortunately, at this point, Europe is probably not an option because so many of those rosters are already set. But I know that there are some guys out there around the league, not just specific to the Ontario Reign, but guys that are starting to angle uh, for some of those other jobs. And their, their agents, from what I understand, are starting to explore, hey, where can these guys play? Because if you're not involved in the World Junior Championships, you're not going to be playing and your camp's not going to be going on. So, you know, if you're a guy this like Sean Dersey or Cole Holtz or Mikey Isimont as part of the Ontario Reign, you're looking for a place to play if you're telling me that the games aren't going to happen until February. 
uh, AHL not starting till February is not as big of a deal for guys like Akil Thomas. He's already playing. It's not as big of a deal for guys like uh, even Alex Turcotte, our guest today, because he's going to be going to camp with Team USA and, and participating in the World Juniors. So there are players that are sort of, you know, uh, boxed out of all of this because they're, they've aged out of the World Juniors and they're not really going to be NHL players this season. And so they're standing around waiting for the American League to get started on, in, in early February. And... Um, who knows where, where these guys or where their agents are going to be able to find a place to land. Uh, DB, how about we wrap this up in the first period here? Let's move along. We'll get into the second period where our guest is going to be King's prospect, Alex Turcott, after the break. the second period where db and the mayor are about to be joined by the king's first round pick from the 2019 nhl draft where he went fifth overall he's part of team usa he played for tony granado at the university of wisconsin last season and he slotted in number two on the mayor's manor top prospect rankings now he's ready to join kings of the podcast after returning from germany where he was training and scored his first professional point for ice bear in berlin ladies and gentlemen Please welcome him to Kings of the Podcast. Here's Alex Turcott. Joining us now, last year's number one draft pick for the LA Kings, Alex Turcott. Turk, how's it going? Good. How are you? We are doing well. Thanks for uh, joining us. I know you've been well-traveled here over the last week or so. We'll jump into that. and uh, But we do appreciate you spending some time with us as it's kind of like the off-season. It's weird. It's the off-season in October. So how weird is that for yeah. you to not be playing at this time of the year? Yeah, it's obviously pretty weird. Um, I mean, with the whole uh, pandemic going on, uh, we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. So uh, it's unfortunate, but I mean, we're all going through it together. And uh, I mean, just trying to make the most out of it, getting ready for this next season. So. Now, the last time we talked was on the uh, the media call that the, the team had set up over the summer, and you were talking at the time, if I remember correctly, you had just bought some inline skates, and that's what you were going to do to get some training going, right? <laughs> Yeah, um, Bauer hooked me up with some uh, some good uh, rollerblades. So I was I was outside a lot when I first got those, and um, it was good. I mean, there at that time there was no uh, rinks open really, so uh, I was in my driveway just cruising around, shooting pucks, stick handling, um, kind of kind of being a kid again. So it was good. Yeah, uh, a lot to talk about today. The Kings prospects, your time in Germany, looking ahead next year, um, all sorts of good stuff. But uh, let's just sort of put a put a cap on your time in Wisconsin. When you think about your time there with Tony Granado and the whole season and things like that, Tony came on the podcast, by the way, uh, right around the Christmas break while you were off at the World Junior Tournament and really talked you up uh, from all aspects, talked you up sort of uh, off ice as well as what you bring to the team on ice, your leadership capabilities. Um, just curious, when you think back to the season there with Tony, what, what do you take away from that experience overall and your relationship with him? Yeah, no, uh, I've had a lot of time to reflect on it. And, uh, I mean, we all know uh, we didn't really have a great season as a team. And 
and individually myself, um, I had a, a very mediocre season. So uh, it was a pretty frustrating year, I would say. But now that I've had time to like reflect on it and like, think about it, like I, I learned so much and I'm so grateful uh, for my time there and to have Tony uh, guiding me. Um, he taught me so many life lessons and uh, just how to be a, a better teammate every day obviously helping me as a, uh, as a hockey player, but I think uh, as a person and, and all that stuff and, and dealing with adversity, I think uh, he helped me out uh, more than anyone uh, in, in recent memory. So, um, and I think part of that too, is we had a lot of obstacles as a team and I did individually as well. So um, looking back, like I think uh, I couldn't have gone anywhere else to, to get ready for, for, for pro hockey. And uh, I'm really uh, grateful for it. When's the last time you talked to Tony, either over the phone or by text? Uh, t- I texted him uh, when he got inducted into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So um, we stay in touch. Uh, Houston, obviously, we don't talk every day, but um, we're both uh, doing our own thing, and, and he's busy with uh, hopefully getting Wisconsin going for this next season. And uh, obviously, I was in Germany for, for a month there. So, um, But uh, he's, uh, he's a great guy, and... Um, I learned so much just as a how to just how to be a better person, a better teammate uh, when I was around them. So, did he, did he ever give you any good Rob Blake or, or even Luke Robitaille stories? Uh not really. I mean, <laughs> we didn't really talk too much about it, to be honest. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was more we're more just uh, focused on on our season and trying to get better every day. But uh, no, he didn't he didn't really give me any really good stories. I guess. Sorry. That's <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Now, somebody that you have spent quite a bit of time with recently, uh, you mentioned you were over there in Germany, the five LA Kings prospects that were there. Akil Thomas, uh, you guys even spent some time together on the ice. I noticed that uh, watching the streams there of the games, you you were playing with Thomas at times. We, we never got to see the all LA Kings line. Did the coaches ever bring that up or talk to you guys or was it, was it by design to keep you guys uh, spread apart and not on the same line? Uh, I, no, they never really talked to us about it. Uh, they, honestly, they did a pretty good job there of, uh, kind of including us with the team and, um, not kind of separating us from the rest of the pack. So, um, everyone played with everyone and it was good. And, um, uh, it, it was good to kind of feel part of, part of a team environment again. So they, they were pretty good about, um, getting us involved. Now you've uh, you've been taking a little bit of heat on on your Instagram. I noticed um, for the jerseys and for all the advertising and things like that. Now with yeah. team, with Team USA in the tournaments, you guys have had a couple patches at different times. But I mean that was a whole yeah. new that was a whole new ordeal. You were like a NASCAR driver with all that yeah. advertising. How did how did that how does that feel as a player to wear all that advertising? Do you even really notice it when you're when you're putting the gear on? No, you. I mean, for me, like I'm out there playing hockey. I'm not worried about what my jersey looks like. So. Um, it didn't really distract me at all. I know when I posted that picture, a lot of people just kept commenting the same thing. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but at, at the same time, like people weren't being too original. They just kept, I feel like they were just copying other people's chirps. So, um, no, it was funny though. It was definitely, a, some, I thought the jerseys were cool when I thought, I think the ads were pretty cool because, uh, we don't have that over here yeah. at least yet. So, um, I think it was, a, it was cool to, to wear those jerseys for sure. 
Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Some some of these people on social media, the chirps just become very repetitive. It's like every year at the trade deadline, I get about 300 people tweeting me that the Kings need to make a trade with Columbus if they plan on going far in the playoffs because of the the past success they've had. And like that joke was funny about the first three times, and and when you get to about the 3,000 mark, it's no longer funny. But on those advertisements, though, serious question: the um, the strawberry farm that was there on the shoulders, that's a pretty well known place there in Berlin. It's more like an amusement park connected to a strawberry farm. I'm guessing that you probably didn't get a chance to go there just because of the pandemic, but did anybody tell you about, about what that place was all about? No, I actually didn't even, I'm, I'm checking it on my phone. I just noticed that. I didn't even notice that. Um, uh, no, no one really talked about it. Uh, I mean, we were, we were kind of just at the rink playing hockey, having fun. Um, I think for those guys too, like they definitely don't look at the jerseys or the ads. They're so used to it. Right. Sure. So, and it doesn't really come across their mind. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, when I was there, it was, it was kind of hard to, uh, go tour and stuff cause of, cause of COVID. So, um, but it was still great, but it was definitely not, I mean, with the pandemic, it's kind of hard to do stuff like that. Well, there was one thing that you seemed to do quite often, uh, and that was go out to eat, especially for some sushi. Now, I have to tell you, I would have, I would not normally think of Berlin as being a place to go and get sushi, but uh, it's it, was that just because it was close by, or you, you, had, yeah. a, you had a good tip, or what's the deal there? You'd be amazed. Uh, they got a lot of uh, diversity there in that city. It's, uh, it's a melting pot. There's tons of good food. Like the food there is really good. They got all types of different cuisines and stuff. So, um, that was probably the best sushi I've ever had. I'm not even kidding. Really? Uh, I haven't really been too many spots around here. I'm sure people might get a little mad about that, but, uh, <laughs> you're new to the uh, area. It's I'm, okay. It's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try some stuff out, uh, definitely around here. I love sushi, but, uh, um, no, it was, uh, it, it was really good. Um, and the cool thing about Berlin too is, um, when you go out to eat, it's, it's really not that expensive. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, I feel like here in the U S it's, it's definitely more pricey. So, um, it was, it was good to, I guess, try different stuff there. Well, the, the couple times that I've been to Germany, what I really enjoyed about the food, the breads are just absolutely delicious. The fruit is also, uh, it just yeah. it seems to taste different. Um, but it seems that I ate schnitzel the whole time while I was there. So maybe next time I'll have to look up all of the uh, sushi places. Of course, I, I can't talk to you about food and ask, did you ever find a Chipotle anywhere over there uh, in Berlin? No. Now, the last time I talked to you, you told me you were cutting back on Chipotle. Where, where do you stand uh, on that today? Yeah, I don't eat it too much anymore. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's healthy depending on what you get. I, I think uh, I try to uh, eat as healthy as I can and, and try to take care of my body. I know I, I was going a little too much and not not that that was doing anything to me, but I don't want to get in those bad habits. So I uh, just kind of watch what I eat. And, but uh, that was the first place I went to when I uh, – got to LA but um it was like it was like two or three months without it so um I I was I was craving it but yeah I don't I definitely don't go there uh nearly as much as I used to I I think uh I I've uh tried tried different types of uh stuff I guess you could say and then kind of uh got got more of a different um variety of choices I I like to go to and and spread my uh, choices out 
All right. Well, in fairness, if you if you're staying over there by TSC TSPC these days, excuse me. Uh, yeah, you have the Chipotle there. You have Five Guys. You have the Habit. Yeah. You, you need to venture a couple more blocks towards the ocean and hit up Big Mike's. That's my favorite sandwich place there in El Segundo. You can look that up. I don't have a sushi okay. recommendation for you though. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you're on your own on yeah. that one. But uh, if you find one, you tweet me and let me know. Um, <laughs> Back to the ice. Back to back to playing over there in Germany. You're on the ice there with uh, Akil Thomas. Uh, I'm just curious, who's a better center, you or Akil? <laughs> uh, there's no comment there. I See, think uh, you're not going to fall for that one. I couldn't catch you sleeping. No, no, right. not at all. No, he's a. Uh, I will say that he's a he's a great player. Um, I think uh, it's been great to to get to know him like really well. We became buddies um, since being over there. I didn't really know him too well before that. Um, but, uh, obviously, uh, he had a great OHL career and witnessed it firsthand. Like he's so, he's so skilled and, and plays a 200 foot game. And I, I mean, I, I kind of, I like to think I play that way too. And I, I can respect it. And, uh, he's just really talented as well. And, um, a great guy and works really hard and, uh, he's definitely going to be a great player. So. Okay. Um, now you, 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 uh, you came home, you came back to Los Angeles. I shouldn't say home. I guess it's sort of, it is going to be home for you, but you flew back to the States, uh, to do some Uh training here and Tyler Madden came along with you or you came with him. However you want to look up, look at it. Uh, the dude was injured on his first shift. That, that has to be a real bummer. You fly halfway across the world. You're going to play your first pro game. Um, and, uh, and Madden, he, he ends up hurting his finger. Um, how's he doing? Have you checked in? Have you talked to him? Everything is doing okay. Yeah, no, uh, we, uh, he actually came a day before I did, but, um, since we've been here, like we're, we're, we're at the same hotel with each other and, uh, uh, we've, uh, went over to the rink a few times together to get some COVID tests done and, and all that stuff. And, uh, he had surgery actually, um, or yeah, he, he had that today. So, uh, just, uh, I texted him this morning, wishing him all the best, but, um, I know he's going to be okay. It's it's not a it's not a, a really bad injury. It's just a little uh, flip in the road for him. But uh, he'll be back very soon. And um, I was definitely I definitely felt horrible for him. Uh, that's uh, you definitely don't want to see anyone go down like that or get hurt. But luckily, it's not anything not serious. So um, he'll be back in no time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're a hell of a teammate. This guy, he uh, he gets injured, and you feel so horrible for him that you decide to hold his hand all the way back to Los Angeles and <laughs> and and comfort him and make him feel better. Meanwhile, you're leaving your new BFF, Akil Thomas, back over in Germany. I mean, that had to be a tough decision for you. Yeah, it was tough. Like uh, they they treated me really good over there, and I had a good experience, and I was really fortunate to play those those two games, those two pro games, and get them under my belt. And I felt really good about it. Um, I mean, the first game was definitely a little. Uh, hectic because it was the first game in like eight months for all of us. We were kind of just like, well, like what's going on? But the second game, uh, it definitely felt really comfortable out there and felt really good about it. And uh, it was uh, it was good to go out there and meet new people and uh, build those relationships and kind of see how it is over there. Um, but at the same time, like I felt uh, for me, like coming back to LA, getting familiar with the staff, uh, both the NHL and the NHL staff, and and kind of getting around the the guys on the team and other prospects uh, it makes makes it uh makes it a little easier going into camping and getting more acclimated and getting ready for this next season. Now, now if I understand things correctly, you uh, never played with Tyler Madden. You guys didn't really cross paths on the the World Junior Team at Team USA. So, did you ever play against him, or or did you just really start to get to know him there when you were over in Germany 
or do I have do I have yeah. bad information here? No, uh, I uh, didn't know him like as a guy until we got over there. But um, I played against him in uh, the when I was on the USA team. He played in the USHL, so we played against each other a few times and um, kind of just knew about him because uh, he he I'm, I'm like really uh, good friends with Trevor Zegers and and they played together at Avon. So um, he was uh, when he got traded to LA. Trevor was uh, telling me all about him and. Uh, hyping him up to me, so I kind of got familiar with him, and then obviously now we're uh, we're buddies. So I think that was another great thing about Jeremy. I got really close with uh, all those guys. And we hear that uh, that Aiden Dudas has helped out his his fashion game. We heard that uh, that Madden was oh, having God. Madden was having some uh, challenges from the fashion perspective, but apparently uh, Dudas, <laughs> Dudas hooked him up and took care of him and straightened him out. Yeah. I... That's funny you say that because Aiden stole my uh, hoodie, <laughs> my favorite hoodie. So wait, there wait you a go. Minute, wait like, a minute, you guys, <laughs> you guys were living together. How did he? How did he steal your hoodie? Can't you just well, steal like, it back? He, like, no, like you just made me feel kind of bad about it. I was like, whatever. I guess you could have it, but <laughs> you really wanted it, so I was like, fine. Uh, I'll get it another time. And then I just totally forgot when I left. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Hey, Alex, you know, you talked about adversity. I think it's pretty refreshing. Someone your age has been transparent about the, the year at the Wisconsin. But, you know, up until that point, lived a charm life, right? You know, did great things at the juniors, great with the national development team, put up big numbers, a fifth overall pick. Do you think having adversity at this point in your career is actually going to help you going forward? Yeah, I think uh, it's huge. Like, obviously, there's going to be more. I, I know that, uh, like, there's a lot of ups and downs. Like, um, and then as I start my like pro career officially, like I'm going to have to deal with more stuff, but at least now I think I, I mentally I'm ready for it and I'll know how to deal with it a lot better than I, I did this last season. And, um, I just feel, uh, because of what happened this last season, I feel like way more mature and, uh, just like, like I said, mentally ready for anything that, uh, that comes my way. And just, I think not getting so, uh, overwhelmed by it and just dealing with it head on and and just approaching every day the same way and just uh working hard and I think that's all you can do I think uh last year I, <clears throat> there was times where um I got uh I would get really upset about stuff and um obviously because I'm so competitive I wanted to win right. like I said there's a lot of tough times so I think now and I think in Germany too I I without even realizing it I, I was a lot more even keel and um there is challenges there too and i thought i i did great and i think i hope to just keep uh keep carrying on that momentum into the season you talk about your challenges from last season so you sign a contract on march 11th and the season pauses the next day <laughs> what's that that's like gotta go from like the heights of like i saw my first pro contract to who knows when i'm gonna play like what was that experience yeah. like in that 24 hours yeah uh obviously it truthfully it sucked but uh, like I wanted to get out there and play and uh, like I said, get comfortable, get acclimated. Um, that's like part of the reason why I'm here right now is to, to get acclimated. Um, I didn't really, I kind of missed out on that last, at the end of last season. So, uh, and obviously you want to play and prove yourself. So um, it's tough, but at the same time, like I understand everyone else is going through it. It's not just, uh, just me going through it. So I think all you can do is uh, just uh, keep, uh, working out in the gym, getting, getting stronger, getting better there, working on your skills on the ice. And I think uh, 
that's what I did this for this long off season. I just uh, every day tried to um, work on my game and, and get ready. And I, I think in a way it's going to help me uh, in the long run because I think for my as far as my body goes, I feel um, stronger than ever, and I feel uh, really confident in my game on the ice too. So. You talk about how competitive you are, and all great athletes are, are that way. I'm sure, and I'm sure you're best critic. But Alex, do you think that when Byfield gets picked number two here, that it takes some of the pressure off you because you're like top five pick, you're going to be the guy to lead this team back to contention, and then they go through the ladder, they get to and they get Byfield. Do you think that takes a little bit of the pressure off you to to go through your development process in Los Angeles? Uh, I don't think it takes pressure off because uh, I mean. Obviously, I think it helps. We have another player. Um, I mean, he's he's an un- unbelievable player, and he got picked second mm-hmm. overall for a reason. Um, he's going to obviously help this franchise out for a long time, and I'm um, really looking forward to uh, being teammates with him um, eventually. But I think uh, for me, it, I still got picked where I got picked, and there's still a lot of expectations. And I don't think uh, him getting picked second uh, kind of wavers those expectations. I think uh, I still. Um, have a lot to prove and uh, still have this high expectations. And that's how I want it, though. I think that's how you get better. And um, with uh, everything I learned last year, I think uh, I'll be able to handle it and and uh, and, and do it uh, do it well. So, um, but I, I think for sure having having a kid go second overall on our on our team, I think that's unbelievable. And um, I think it would be cool to to grow with him. So, so one last one for me. I'm not going to try to get you in trouble with the mayor here, but you grew up in the Midwest. So you grew up in Chicago, the Chicago area. You played Chicago. So does that mean you're a Cubs, White Sox, Bears um, fan? Or no. Are you, uh, no? Okay. It, where do yeah, well, your sports love is like? Well, it's weird. So uh, I, I did live in Chicago most of my life, but I did also, there was like three or, or four, four years um, from like, the end of elementary to that uh, middle school where I lived in Michigan. And then obviously I lived back in Michigan during the NCDP, but um, kind of like hockey, I've all, I was always a Hawks fan, but like I, I was so like, I only cared about hockey. Right. And then, <laughs> and then when I moved to Michigan, I, I started kind of watching other sports and getting involved with those. So I'm a Lions fan and a Tigers fan. <laughs> and, um, uh, the Tigers were pretty good there for a little bit. They went to a few World Series and they never won. And then the Lions, obviously, it's been pretty tough. But I think uh, those are my teams, and it's okay. Um, it's it's been tough, but uh, it's all right. I, and and then obviously after getting drafted here, I, I I've always been a big LeBron fan. So like it's fitting that I think he went to the Lakers. Like I was, I was definitely a, a big uh, I was rooting for the Lakers this year, and then. I think it would be obviously really cool for the Dodgers to win the World Series because I know uh, they've been, I think it's what, the last three, three out of four years they were in the, the World Series and they haven't they haven't won yet. So it would be pretty cool for the city to have two champions in one year. Yes, and thank you for reminding us of the uh, World Series they did not win uh, in 2017-18. That's, that's helpful. So hopefully they'll, they'll redeem themselves. Third time's a charm, right? Uh, yeah. I, I gave you a tip last summer also, by the way. I tried telling you that Alec Martinez was a big Lions fan and a big uh, Detroit Tigers fan. Did you, did you ever follow up on that? No. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I saw him at development camp, but uh, I don't know. I tried staying to myself and just uh, being quiet. I don't want to... <laughs> didn't want to bother those guys so uh, I never really mentioned it but uh um 
Yeah, you, I remember you telling me that. I, I was kind of pumped about that, but I never got around to saying anything to him. All right. Well, he was so butthurt by the fact that you never brought it up. He demanded a trade, and now he's gone, and he plays plays for a different <laughs> team. So, uh, hey, this this weekend coming up, this is it's a big monumental weekend. I mean, this is the one year anniversary of uh, Kings on Kings crime, Penn State against Wisconsin last year. You played against Cole Holtz, the uh, the Kings prospect there on defense. One of the things I love about Holtz, he's just, he's so intense all the time. Uh, and I'm curious if you have any memories. You guys, again, you had the rematch over uh, Valentine's weekend, so you played him a couple times. But any any yeah. memories or thoughts about playing against Cole Holtz? Yeah, I mean, he obviously, uh, I think he was the number one D on that team. Um, and uh, I think he ran their power plays, really good puck moving defenseman, uh, really smart. Um, skates really well, but also I remember he, he was pretty physical too. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a mean player and I think that's uh that's pretty cool I mean he's got the got some offensive talent also he plays that that mean defensive game and uh he's definitely uh their best defenseman last year so I remember playing against them they're a really good team we always uh it was pretty tough playing against them we had we had our good and bad moments but um he was definitely uh one of the main guys on that team that uh you had to watch out for so obviously having him uh in LA as well as uh pretty exciting and um getting i'm looking forward to uh to getting to know him here soon so now you mentioned your days playing in the ushl as part of team usa of course uh, i have to ask you about uh in, in sioux falls there was a kid named andre lee um you played him i think it was yeah. uh, valentine's weekend in 2019 you had a goal in that game but do you remember andre lee i mean you can't miss him he's like six nine the kid's huge but do you remember playing against andre lee yeah uh i don't really exactly remember that game but i obviously remember him from development camp mm-hmm. and uh i got to know him a little bit and uh he's a really nice guy and um obviously he's so big but i think uh uh the thing about him is uh he, he can skate he can move out there and he's got pretty good hands yeah he has, those, big, he has so those nice hands in tight that's what i remembered from development yeah camp. yeah so it's a pretty deadly combination and um He's a really good player. I know he had a pretty good season, too, at uh, Lowell. So, um, I mean, obviously, uh, I don't remember that exact game, but I, I know from depth camp, he's, uh, he's a really good player. Now, you also mentioned things on Twitter that, that aren't funny after 900 times. So, the Kings did draft uh, a, a player who had a similar name to the kid who went first overall uh, this, this yeah. past year. <laughs> yeah, you know all about it. Uh, and Alex Lafriere. And he played in the USHL also. Des Moines, do you happen to remember playing against him? Or maybe no? Um, Actually, it's funny. He's uh, my age. I think he's a late birthday. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he played up, but when we were, like, Bantam or like Midget, Bantam, like, we were, like, all the way up. We, we always played against each other. Um, cause he's from, uh, New, he played for the New Jersey Colonials, I, I think. So I remember playing against him and Bantam, um, cause he played with, uh, a few kids. He played with Marshall Warren, who I played with in juniors. And, uh, yeah, I remember he was, he was really small then. He was really good, though, feisty guy and, uh, really skilled and really small. But, um, we were, we were like 14, 15 years old. So, yeah. um, that's, that's, uh, that was a while ago, but that's actually funny. I remember playing against him growing up. 
Yeah, and then he had a growth spurt in the last year, and all of a sudden now he's on everybody's radar for the draft. So good for him. Uh, you'll get to know him uh, perhaps in, in dev camp. It all, it all sort of depends on when the college season starts because yeah. he's actually back in the USHL right now waiting for, for things to open up. Uh, looking, ahead mm-hmm. to, looking ahead here, you talked about being acclimated. You're going you're gonna to begin uh, training and, or continue your training, and then eventually uh, the plan is for you to show up at Team USA Evaluation Camp heading into the World Juniors. I'm just curious, how important is it to you personally to play in the tournament this this year uh considering that you played in the tournament last year yeah um i mean honestly we don't really know what's happening yet uh but uh i mean depending on what happens and then the, the training camp starts here and all that i would obviously um love to play in world juniors especially i think uh i think i have like i said i said this a few times today but i have a lot to prove after last year uh it was a tough tournament for myself, and obviously we finished. Uh, we lost in the quarters, so um, we just uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a great outing for our team, and I wasn't really happy with how I played either. So I think this year, um, also with uh, a lot of the kids I play with at the USA team uh, at the program, it would be really cool to get together. It's kind of our, our last chance to uh, to uh, kind of play together all as one group I guess you could say and try to try to win a gold medal and um I know all of us are are looking for redemption and and we want to we want to win a gold medal and and uh prove to ourselves that we can do it so uh when it comes around I'm I'm really looking forward to it uh for sure and I think too as well to play meaningful games will be awesome and um I know there's not going to be fans there but I don't think it'll matter I think it'll be just like the the playoffs in the bubble, I think it's going to be a great atmosphere, and I think uh, it's going to be a great tournament for sure. I just want to make sure that I did not misinterpret the first part of your answer there. Are you saying that depending upon the timing of when the NHL slash AHL training camps open up, you might not be going? Well, I'm. I haven't. I didn't go to the, the evaluation camp because I was in Germany, and then, right. um, yeah, I haven't been. I I don't know as of now what's going going to happen. That's all I can say. Uh, I, no one said anything to me. Uh, so, well, um, yeah, you know we, more we, than I do, but in checking with my sources, you are penciled in, in actually in pen, you're penned in to go to the team USA camp. So unless you're here to break some other news, you will eventually be there. That's, that's what I know. I, yeah. Okay. I'll, we'll just go with that. Then. I, I, you probably know more than I do. So, okay. um, I, I don't, I'm actually serious. You probably do know more than me. So, uh, no, obviously, I, I really would love to uh, represent my country. I don't, I don't think uh, anyone would want to turn that down. So um, it, it's going to be a great tournament. I'm looking forward to it. Now, Alex, we talked about um, how things are at the byfield, too. There's, they have so much depth at center. Like, you're a left-handed shot. Things aren't particularly strong on the left wing. In the future, would you be open or be comfortable playing the wing? Yeah, I think uh, – I can play anything. It's not a big deal to me. Uh, right. No, I think the way I play, um, I mean, I think uh, as now, like, I think uh, I, I'm really comfortable down the middle. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, my 2A game, I, I can um, be really effective down there. But at the same time, like, if if you're playing with a guy like Quentin down the middle and I'm on the wing or just whatever the situation might be, like that uh, – I would obviously wouldn't mind playing wing, like whatever helps the team. Um, and I played both and 
Um, when you're playing with good players, it, it really doesn't matter out there. You know what I mean? Like everyone's making plays and, and you're feeding off each other. It's, you're almost positionless out there. And that's when uh, hockey mm-hmm. is definitely the most fun and, and uh, you can have a blast with it. So, uh, yeah, obviously any, any, any position on forward. Sorry, I can't play D or goalie, but um, <laughs> okay. I'd be good with those. <laughs> Akil Thomas can play defense, though. Did you know that? He played 28 minutes on a game last year. Yeah, that's nah, that's insane. <laughs> I didn't play defense. I was like maybe 14 years old. So. Fair enough. I don't know how I do now. but uh, How about the Artie party? Uh, Arthur Kaliev, he was part of the uh, Team USA camp last year, and he'll most likely be part of Team USA again this year. Um, just any thoughts on Artie? Yeah, uh, I love Art. He's a he's a really nice guy, and um, he's fun to be around. He's really goofy, and uh, he keeps it loose. You know what I mean? So uh, it's nice to have it have him around, especially uh, when sometimes I feel like I'm a little too tense. So it's good to have him have him around. And uh, obviously, as a player, like he's a great goal scorer. He's really smart. He um, offensively is super talented, and he's a lot of fun to play with. And um, he's another kid that I've played against growing all the way up mm-hmm. youth hockey and, and and all that sort of thing played with him in Team USA. So uh I'm just really happy to be going through through this process with him and um I think uh it's gonna be a lot of fun to, to do that with him. Well, I will tell you that uh, we've had good... There's still hope for you, Turk, because we were able to convert him. He's a diehard Mets fan. He's now converted over. He's a Dodger fan, so there's still hope for you. Uh, we, can, we can get you over to the Dodgers, or at least at the very least, you can have a National no. League team and an American <laughs> League team, so you can keep your Tigers. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm rooting for the Dodgers. Okay. Uh, I, I hate the Cubs, so... Okay. Um, yeah, actually, I saw someone wearing a Cubs hat down in uh, Venice Beach the other day. It made no sense, but... <laughs> I was like, Jesus, I, I, I can't stand them. So, uh, just the, all the bandwagons, but no, I, I, I'm staying true to my team, but, uh, I'll definitely, it's the same for like the Lakers and, and, uh, the Dodgers definitely, uh, they're really good teams and I'm, I'm, I'm here now and, um, definitely support those, those teams. And it's always cool when uh, those teams win. So. All right. Well, I had a couple more questions lined up for you today, and I was going to end on the Venice Beach thing, but since you brought it up, I'll just transition into that right now. So uh, you were over getting some tattoos with your buddy, with, with Zegris. I'm just curious, though. You went to Sean over at House of Ink, and that is the spot. If you're an L.A. Kings player or an L.A. Kings fan, that's the place to go and get your tattoos is House of Ink there in Venice Beach. I don't even know if you yeah. know this, but he gave away free Kings tattoos to all Kings fans, seriously, when they won the Cup in 2012, <laughs> which, is, which is ridiculous. He was booked out for months giving away all these free tattoos, but uh, a lot That's of the guys insane. from Kyle Clifford and Matt Luff and on and on, so many guys, they uh, they pick up their tattoos from Sean. I'm just curious, how did you get to know Sean, and how did you know that's the place to go when you're in Los Angeles? Yeah, well, uh, I've, uh, I've, I heard that he uh, actually did, like I knew going into it, he uh, did all the Kings players, and I didn't actually know he gave everyone a free tattoo uh, when they won the cup. That's pretty cool. Um, but uh, just... Uh, someone in my agency because uh, it's over down here in LA uh, goes 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 to him for his tattoos and he kind of uh, told told Trevor and I about it and obviously uh, he's a big Kings fan so that was that was pretty cool um, he's just the nicest guy he was mm-hmm. super nice and um, it was it was cool to meet him and um, get get a tattoo from him and um, obviously I don't 
don't know. <laughs> I don't want to get too inked up at all. I, I just pretty much got, got one on my, uh, out, out by my wrist because, uh, for my grandpa who passed away this summer. So, um, I knew, uh, I really wanted to get something to, uh, to kind of have a memory for him. And, uh, it was pretty, it kept it simple. It's not, it's not anything too flashy, but it, I was really happy with the way it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, he did an awesome job and it's just cool. When I look at it, I always smile and think of my grandpa and only have good memories. So yeah, for sure. Um, that was, that was the whole reason for it. Yeah. Those are the best tattoos, things that you can relate back to and it'll stir up a sort of uh, emotion. And that's great. If every time you look at it, you get a smile. It's a, uh, that's a fun thing there. Yeah. Um, why don't we wrap yeah. up today then and just uh, talk about John Robleski a little bit. Uh, Robo came on the show, uh, I think about a month or two ago, well, just before the draft maybe, and uh, talked about getting the job in, La- in Los Angeles or technically, I guess, in Ontario. Um, why don't we start though with you, maybe just if you can give, give a five second version uh, for people that don't understand how the U.S. national program works, because there are, there are multiple age groups that are there, multiple teams. So it's not just like everybody's all on one team. And I bring this up because mm-hmm. Brock Faber, who was drafted by the Kings recently, he was at the program, yeah. but a different age group. He was called up. He played one game with your group. Um, just can you explain how the whole the sort of structure is for people that aren't familiar with the U.S. national program? Yeah, so there's two teams, the U17 and the U18 team. And uh, so when I was there, I was on the U17 team to start the O one age group and then the team above us was the two thousand age group. They're the U eighteen and then you go from U seventeen to U eighteen and then after U eighteen you're pretty much uh that's when you go to college or, or whatnot. So um Brock was there when I was a U eighteen he was his first year and that was my second year on the U eighteen. So um there's two teams and it, it, i can see why it gets cr- pretty confusing to you. We have split schedule in the USHL, so the U17 team plays half the games, U18 team plays the other half, um, and then the U17 will the U17 team will play in the USHL playoffs. And then when uh, when you're U18, you play like I said half the USHL games, and then you play college games, and then you go to the U18 tournament. So it's a lot of moving parts, I guess you could say. It's pretty confusing, but um, I think. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a great program and, uh, it's pretty cool how they, they kind of, um, figured it out and, and kind of made that the way it is. Okay. So first, I guess, before we get to Robo, tell us about Brock Faber, what you remember, if anything at all about him as a player and, and your thoughts when you saw that the Kings traded up to get him in the second round. Yeah. Uh, like I don't, I don't know Brock too well as a person. Um, we didn't really cross paths that right. much, but I know, uh, as a player, like he's, He's a really good skater, really physical, really good defensively. Um, like he's a really good skater, though. That's what I, I remember the most. And um, I think uh, when you're when you're a D that can move around like that, be that mobile, you you can be pretty versatile and play in, in many situations. So um, obviously, it's another great great guy to have in the organization. And uh, I know he's going to be at Minnesota uh, this year, so. Hopefully, uh, wishing him the best. Hopefully, he has a great season. And um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's cool to have another guy that's kind of gone through the same things I have at the USA team. And um, hopefully, uh, get to see him soon. So, 
We've gone a little longer than expected here, so certainly appreciate that. Uh, just wrap it up then with Robleski, two, two, a two-part question. One is, when he came on the show, he was telling us what a big music guy he is. He's lo- he loves Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Chris Cornell, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> you're, you're laughing, so I want, I want to hear about this. Was this a front? Was he just trying to impress me with his music, and, and is he really like a, a, you know, a Boys to Men fan or something? Like, give me, you're laughing, so I want to know what's, what's so funny about Robo and his musical tastes. I just, uh, he was my coach, right? So, like, you, um, I didn't really, like, it's funny, like, looking back when I was, when he was my coach, like, you don't have that type of relationship with him when, okay. when uh, he's coaching you. But, uh, I mean, ever since after we all left the the team, like, um, like we text all the time and, and he stays in touch and um, kind of, kind of more of like a, a friendship I guess you could say but now that he's back back to potentially being my coach again so mm-hmm. uh, I don't know too much about his music taste we don't really uh, talk about that at all okay um, maybe he's trying to impress you a little bit I don't know uh, <laughs> but uh could be no he's a uh, he's a he's a great dude and uh definitely uh definitely really cool to have him around so yeah well he has big shoes to fill mike stuthers who was the coach in ontario was just a great man a person i have a lot of respect for uh and, and so i'm sure robo will do a great job uh in in you know in ontario but i'm curious how you came to find out uh right because you know you left the program you went to wisconsin you're gone you're you're, you're thinking ahead you sign your pro contract when did you find out whether it would be like, you know, through the rumor mill or I mean, did you find out after it already happened? Like when you first started hearing about it, what was going through your mind? Like, Oh my God, this guy might be my coach again. Um, obviously like, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, cause he, he coached me in those two important years there and, uh, I built a really great relationship with him and I feel really confident and comfortable, um, with him. Um, he always, uh, I mean, he, he made me a, 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 I think he's helped a lot in my, in my career, um, making me a better hockey player. Um, and, uh, he's, he's really good at, uh, instilling confidence in his players and, and, uh, making them, I guess, play their game. And, and you know what I mean? Like he, he wants got he wants to get the most out of guys and, and he trusts his players. And, um, from day one, he always, uh, made me, made me feel really comfortable and always told me to, um, just play my game and obviously there's structure there too but um, he's really into the, the speed and skill and I think also with all the prospects we have and, and going to have in Ontario uh, I think uh, he's going to do amazing there So, Alright, you did a, a fabulous job on your inaugural visit into Kings of the Podcast, thank you so much welcome back to Los Angeles, welcome back to Southern California, enjoy the training we look forward to seeing you and uh, talking to you as you get ramped up again for Team USA. I will tell you, though, on a separate conversation, we're still going to have to work on your nickname. You might recall that when you and I spoke a year ago, uh, you threw uh, out the name Turkey. And I'm not calling you Turkey. That doesn't work for me. So. It's got to be Turk. Okay, it's well, got to be Turk. Tur- Turk is fine. It's I just... know it's, uh, it's pretty vanilla, but yeah. it's, it's been a, it's trickled down from my grandpa to my uncle to my dad. Okay. It's, uh, my brother had it, like, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's a family tradition. I don't know, that's what I want to call it. Exactly. And I know it's pretty vanilla, but maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe one of the, <laughs> I feel like, uh, <laughs> never mind. I don't we'll know. Go, we'll happen. go maybe some, <laughs> Yeah. Maybe someone will find uh, a funny one for me or something. I don't know. I can't really think of anything. So, All but, right. uh, I appreciate, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, 
Thank you. It's been awesome. I want to leave you with a quote. I was texting with Tony Granato uh, in preparation of you coming on, and uh, one of the things he said to me, great kid, extremely competitive, and ready for pro hockey. I wanted to leave you with that. So welcome to pro hockey, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Turk. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye. There you go. Alex Turcott. More with us after the break. the third period of kings of the podcast with db and the mayor third period welcome back uh first right off the hop here a couple of chicago related bands uh today tying back to alex turcott and, and so you know where his roots are uh the smashing pumpkins and rise against a couple of great chicago bands and also of course thank you to dave joseph uh for that great intro to alex turcott that kings fans that's actually the first time that you have heard dave joseph announce Alex Turcott. He has not called one of his games. He hasn't called a goal. He hasn't done anything yet. So uh, there you go. You're, you're hearing it for the first time. Dave Joseph, the voice of Staples Center for the LA Kings home games. Uh, actually, and also the voice of the Ontario Reign, uh, their American Hockey League affiliate. You heard Dave Joseph uh, calling out Alex Turcott for the first time. Uh, before we get to our Kings news and notes today, I do want to take a quick moment and remind everybody that if you like the show, please be sure to check out our sponsor, uh, DB and I. We both took a test drive of the products and we're happy to share that Manscaped came on board to support Kings of the Podcast. Um, they're the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels they make products that are really uh, easy for you they keep things clean down there which of course is not always easy for men uh, manscape they now have the lawnmower 3.0 it features a cer- uh, ceramic blade waterproof technology uh, let's get you cleaned up before next season so don't wait get 20 percent off plus free shipping use the code kotp2020 at manscaped.com and we do appreciate your support, and we also thank Manscaped for coming on board and uh, supporting Kings of the Podcast for not only Dennis and myself, but all of our listeners as well. Hey, uh, DB, the Kings do have some players, uh, back to what's happening here in Los Angeles, some of the stuff we were talking about during the first period. The Kings have some players, including Turcotte. They also have Gabe Velarde. They also have Kaliev, and these guys are training here in Los Angeles, and uh, some people have been asking, well, why don't they have more players here? What's going on? Um, Per NHL protocol, TB, and it feels like a lifetime ago when these protocols came out in the early part of the summer, but teams can only have a maximum of 12 players on the ice at the same time. So while I understand there have been a total of about 16 or so players in L.A. that are available to train at various times, they can only have about 12 of them on the ice, so they're having to stagger between some of the NHL guys, including guys like Kopitar and Brown, uh, and then staggering uh, with, the, with the prospects there as well. Um, of course, it is still to be determined exactly when that extra seven or ten days of camp is going to be. Uh, remember, for the seven teams, Dennis, that are not included, that were not included in the return to play, they're said to be getting an extra week or two, maybe you know, split it in the middle, call it ten days of camp. I do have some news around that, though, DB. From what I'm hearing and talking to some sources over the last couple of days, teams are starting to pencil in around the first week of December. This would be the uh, 
the seven teams that we're talking about, around the first week of December to get uh, camps going. And that would then lead into ultimately their uh, their two weeks of NHL training camp. So believe it or not, Dennis, we could be just about five weeks away from seeing uh, prospects and or other players here in Los Angeles going through the training exercises. The reason I think they're targeting December 1st, because remember, at the end of the month, you're going to have a Christmas break. You're not going to have get anybody in camp at that point in time. You're going to give the players off. Uh, so I think the 12-1 start for training camp for these teams, I think does make a lot of sense. I think you should also give all of the NHL teams off the, uh, the two weeks or the 10 days from January or December 25th uh, through early January there so that everybody's attention can focus on the World Junior Championships. That would be great. Send all the NHL <laughs> players home to spend time with their families. That'll be their final break before the season starts. And uh, that would be just, that would be fantastic. But yeah, um, of course, Team Canada has already made pl- announcements that they are going to be getting going here in about a week or so. We talked on the last program that Team USA, from what I hear, Dennis, is that they're moving up the dates of their camp as well. Normally, it, it starts around uh, uh, the first or uh, second week there of December leading into exhibition games and then the, and then the World Juniors, but they're going to probably back those dates up just like Team Canada did. So that was funny. We were talking about Team USA doing it on the last podcast, and then a day or two later, Canada came out and said that they were going that way. Um, of course, uh, Turcotte, thank you for coming on the program. He's uh, back home here in Los Angeles training, but there are still a few other Kings prospects that are over there. Uh, we had them on the program recently, Aiden Dudas and uh, Akil Thomas and goaltender Jacob Ingham. Uh, DB, Ingham was able to get into one of the two games. They played the two games uh, on the 30th and the 31st, so last Friday and Saturday. Uh, Ingham came in in relief midway through the second game. He didn't give up any goals in regulation, but then um, the team, Berlin did lose in a shootout. Only one goal was scored uh, in the shootout, and it happened to be the other team, so unfortunately they lost. Um, however, uh, Dudas and uh, Akil Thomas both played. Um, they played both games, I should say. Akil Thomas, his best game, in my opinion, uh, was the Friday game. He was just phenomenal. Uh, had a lot of good offensive looks in the second game as well. He was moved up to the top line, and uh, it appeared to me that, that Thomas, Thomas was playing both center and wing and that they were alternating very similar to the first game actually when Turcotte was over there. Uh, so the streams are easy. Um, th- there are no additional games scheduled at this time. So it sounds from what I'm hearing, it sounds like that uh, the three Kings kids that are over there, that they are going to participate in the, the tournament that's coming up. Um, I think there's eight different teams over there in the German league that starts, I want to say November 5th or 7th, somewhere in that time frame. So we'll have to keep an eye out on that. Follow along on Twitter and DB, you know, we didn't talk to Turkot about this, um, but uh, he has been golfing recently with Kaliev and Zegris. And uh, as one of our alert mayor's manner readers or Kings of the podcast listeners for that matter as well, pointed out to me on Twitter, check out the golf bag that uh, I believe it was Kaliev had. It was a Dodger golf bag. So good to see that uh, Kaliev is following through on his his commitment to the Dodgers. Yeah, he's staying on point. Uh, you got him early, Mayor. I think that's the key. You got to get those kids early to influence them to stay on track. And Kaliev's doing the right job. He's he's come off the Mets and you know come to the Dodgers and he's with a championship team now. Look at that. I think next year, DB, if 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 the media is allowed at the draft next year, if there is a draft next year, uh, I think I'm just going to bring a sleeve of Dodger hats and just pass them out. So <laughs> after the after the players get drafted, they can take their their <laughs> mandatory fantastic. picture in their Kings jersey and then uh, and then we'll flip them and we'll have them take a Dodger hat and so we can just break them in early. It is great though. I love seeing all the Dodger hats on on the Kings prospects. Uh, on the last episode, DB, we also talked about Mihan and Chromiak 
back, uh, two of the Kings prospects that were taken later in the in the draft uh, the, a couple months ago. Or God, it just feels like time stands still right now. But um, one of the things we didn't mention was that Mihan was in the dispersal draft of the Chicago, Chicago Steel. Uh, the, the Cedar Rapids team um, opted out of this year of the USHL, and so he was part of the dispersal draft, and he's now with the Chicago Steel. Uh, Green Bay and Dubuque, they had some games that were canceled over the weekend, just a couple of other USHL notes. This is where Braden Doyle is playing. And so uh, if you want to keep up with all the LA Kings prospects, Dennis, you know where to go. You go to mayorsmanor.com. Our staff does a fabulous job putting out the weekly prospect tracker. It typically comes out late Sunday night slash early Monday morning. And for every prospect in the Kings organization, you'll find out what they've been up to over the last week. And we do a lot of breaking news on there as well. Uh, it's where we told you about Jacob Bavari having an injury and he was going to be out for a couple of weeks. We shared some news about Carl Grunstrom having a concussion. He returned and scored over the weekend, so good to see that Golstrom or Grundy, depending what you want to call him, is uh, back on the mend and doing well. And speaking of doing well, DB, a couple of Kings prospects here over the last couple of days uh, have, have a lot to talk about. Jamson, uh, another late-round pick. He was named Player of the Month in one of the Finnish Junior Leagues, so good for him. And then Jordan Spence had a hat trick over the weekend. And I point that out, DB, because Jordan Spence, you're going to hear, you're going to get tired of me talking about him. I, I, I spent a long time, spent a couple years hyping up Mikey Anderson, and now everybody knows uh, about Mikey. And so now I'm going to start the Jordan Spence uh, fan club for everybody and let you guys know that Jordan Spence is one of those mid-round picks selected in the fourth round, really has a lot of upside, uh, went from being rookie of the year, I believe, in the queue, uh, was named the outstanding defenseman last year in the queue, and is just off to another hot start as well, and he was named to Team Canada's World Junior Camp. So I think that um, not only the hype that he's getting on Kings of the Podcast and Mayor's Manor, but DB, the hype that he could potentially get in the upcoming World Juniors um, could really put him on a much bigger stage, much like it happened last year for Aiden Dudas. And now people really know who he is. I think Jordan Spence is getting ready to have a coming out party here over the next uh, couple of months. Is it going to be the hype level of Akil Thomas, though? That's the question. Nobody gets. Is he the- had Thompson. <laughs> no, nobody gets the hype level of Akil Thomas. He is the most interesting prospect in the LA Kings organization. And I'm going to tell you something real quickly, DB. I know you like to. I know you okay. like to chirp me about that. But I had another uh, a media member contact me about a week or so ago. Uh, I, I don't really even know this person. Um, and they just basically sent me a private message and said, hey, you know, uh, follow along on, on what you, you know, write and say and whatnot. And I've heard you mention a couple times that Akil and how uh, interesting he is. And they said, I happened to uh, do an interview with him recently and I would have to agree with you. He is one of the most interesting prospects. In H- he called him an NHL prospect because this guy doesn't cover the Kings. But he said, I agree with you. He's one of the most interesting prospects that I've talked to in quite some time. So I thought that was uh, some nice validation uh, to, to get there. So... That's your Akil Thomas update for today. Uh, two more things, DB, before we wrap up. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, just any thoughts that you might have about the NHL, just to bring things back to the National Hockey League. We talked earlier about the the viability of playing with fans in the building, without fans in the building, and, and as we understand things, the NHL's sort of hope at this point is that they start the season uh, you know, in January, most likely without fans, but they are hoping that they are going to eventually have fans, even if they don't get to full capacity. They want fans in the building by the end of the year, and they definitely want fans in the building for the playoffs. Um, but my question is this. There's been some discussion about potentially starting the season in a hybrid-type bubble, so not a full lockdown bubble like, yeah. um, you know, what was experienced in Toronto and Edmonton, but any thoughts about the NHL starting in some sort of a hybrid bubble where teams go to a location, you know, and they play an extended, you know, uh, a week or maybe two weeks against a handful of teams. uh, And then they take a little break in between. Yeah. 
I think, first of all, like since we're not going to be in a lockdown bubble, fans are going to have to kind of just reset their minds. There's going to be positive tests next season, right? But to the level of MLB and, and NFL, where you might have to go through protocol, you might miss a couple of games. But, but the zero testing, if they're going to go to that model, it's going to happen. You're going to be out in the general public to players. It's going to be different. I think more of a concern I have is if we, let's say, not play 82 games, I don't think we're going to trend in that direction. Mm -hmm. Like, so what happens with the player salaries? And that was an issue with the MLB, right? The proration of salaries. We almost didn't have an MLB season because of the proration of salaries. I think, I think there's two scenarios. I think one, it pivots around, do you believe that playing up against the Tokyo Olympics is going to be a factor? If you don't think so, then I think you play 60 games, January 15th start, you play three or four games a week. That would take you to June 15th to start the postseason. No expanded playoffs. Um, you get three months off starting November 15th. In that scenario, it would entirely overlap the Tokyo Olympics. And with NBC as a broadcast partner, that could be a challenge. The other option is a 48-game season. Same start date, January 15th. 48 games would take you to approximately May 15th. You play two months of a playoffs. You're done on July 15th. Um, you're not overlapping. The Tokyo Olympics starts July 24th, and it gives you a, a better calendar to start 21-22 season. So often you can start again on October 15th. So I think those are the two the two scenarios. I think reg regional hubs do make sense because I don't think every building is going to be operating and open. So I think that's a possibility as well. But I think the mindset's got to be that the zero positive testing that we had in the postseason I think you're going to have those random positives and you're going to have to deal with them as you go along. Yeah, I think that the that the latter scenario there, uh, DB, t for me at least, tends to make more sense because with NBC as your broadcast partner and knowing that they do uh, programming not only on NBC, you know, the main channel, but also on all of their, their secondary uh, cable channels and whatnot, I just don't see how the NHL would be able to put meaningful games. Oh, you're talking about Stanley Cup final games. I mean, we're not even talking about a, a midweek game between, you know, two teams that really have regional right. uh, viewers. You're talking about the game the national you know the north america game that everybody should be watching which would be the stanley cup final i think you want to have that done i know that bill daly said that uh, they have scenarios laid out where you know it overlaps or extends beyond the start of the olympics but i i just don't see personally at this point until somebody shows me a plan i don't see how that makes a lot of sense i think you want to have it wrapped up uh before the before the olympics start and now that john you, you you're talking about making more sense of the calendar in the following season as well, because I know the hope was 82 games for this coming season, but I don't think that's on the, uh, you know, I don't think you can do, you can't do it with January, uh, January 15th. And the other option is like, is it, does it make sense to start the NHL in October? Like maybe it should permanently be moved to November or whatever, maybe play a little bit longer. I'm not really sure. Um, with respect to the TV, um, the only other option there would be, John, would be if, you, if there's going to be a situation where the NHL could offload some games to other um, other uh, broadcast partners like uh, an ESPN or Fox or something like that. I don't think they'd want to do that, but there still has to lot, be a lot of talking. And the one thing that we know, John, nothing's off the table at this point. Sure. So and, uh, 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 there's so many different scenarios. Uh, I just think that you're looking at a reduced game schedule. At some point, we got to get back this to a regular schedule. I think a 48-game schedule, as we both agree, would kind of normalize things for the 21-22 season. Yeah, in terms of the following season, DB, 
talking about it just in a vacuum as in a single thing, I, I really have no problem with the league starting in November, whether, you, right. you know, instead of October. I don't care if it's early November, mid, or even late November. I think it's great. Anything that they can do to get away from the juggernaut that is the NFL and can move on and can focus their attention, you know, into, in, in, into a later time period, I think it's great. Now, there are, of course, trickle-down impacts that take place um, and, and how the hockey calendar as a whole impacts from the IIHF perspective, the World Juniors, the minor leagues, the American League, college programs as well, just all of those sorts of trickle-down effects. And so you'd have to, I think, have some broader discussions. It's kind of, it's kind of funny because the other day uh, somebody was hitting me up about, you know, the Kings making a trade and why aren't they going after Ghost in Philadelphia? And I'm like, you know, he's like, he'd be the second best defenseman on the LA Kings. I'm like, yeah, if you look at it in isolation, sure, it sounds great, but you can't just look at it in isolation. They have eight defensemen right now. In order to make that happen, you'd have to move one of those defensemen. You also will be taking on a contract at four and a half million for the next three years. If this isn't the player that they believe is going to put them over the top, they're taking on additional salary at this particular time when they're trying to evaluate the kids. So it's like there's a there has to be a global level of an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish, and it can't just be a decision that's made in isolation. So again, in isolation, I think it's great to start the NHL a month later. Uh, however, how does that impact so many of the other things related to the hockey calendar? Fascinating conversation, DB. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more time to talk about it on upcoming episodes of the Kings of the Podcast. Did not want to leave uh, today's episode, though, without making mention of uh, the recent passing of Joey Moss, a true legend in Edmonton, DB. Um, and I can I just say from a personal standpoint, you know, we're, we're all sort of aware uh, of, of Joey Moss, although um, not living in Edmonton and not being highly connected to the Edmonton market. I don't think that uh, most of us truly had an understanding of, of his impact. I do remember uh, Dustin Penner back when he was in Los Angeles. He made sure that he uh, picked up a Penner Mania shirt for me to deliver to Joey Moss on his return back to, uh, to Edmonton uh, Penner when he was a member of the Kings. Uh, and, and he would tell me stories about how much he just loved and appreciated uh, Joey and, and, and what a big wrestling fan he was. And he just, Penner was like a kid in a candy store. He could not wait to give that Penner Mania shirt to Joey. And of course, uh, the, the stories just go on and on. Jared Stoll put out a great tweet uh, talking about how special Joey was to him. And uh, it's, it's sort of a funny picture as well. You want to see what a young Matt Green looks like uh, in Stoll's uh, tweet that when he's talking about Joey, he posts a, a picture when uh, both Green and Stoll were back in, you know, at Edmonton in the early days, and you can see them how young they were. But uh, Stoley, uh, again, just uh, somebody who who loved and respected. And I will tell you, Dennis, I was on the uh, the media call, the uh, the Zoom with Gretzky, where he was talking some, sharing some memories of Joey Moss, and uh, he was he was fighting it back at the beginning. And I tweeted, I was pretty tough to watch. Uh, it's just not a side that you normally see of Wayne. And uh, Wayne had several funny comments about about Joey, including the fact uh, that, you know, he, how many championships he had because he was not only a member of the Oilers community, um, but also of the, of the uh, Canadian football team there in Edmonton as well. So just a, a tough loss in a, in, a, in a terrible year here in 2020. And our thoughts are with uh, Joey's friends and his family and uh, his extended family in, in there uh, in Edmonton and really um, throughout all of Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a fitting tribute here at the end, Sean. So uh, great job finding that audience. All right, so as we uh, play you off the air here today, this is Joey Moss and his rendition of O Canada. Have a great one, folks. We'll talk to you soon.
This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.